0: All right, so you guys heard the tambourine, right? Well, if you, if you missed out last Sunday night with us as we went down into the city to bless Pastor Leonardo's church, there were tambourine dancers. Not just tambourines, but there were three girls in the front of the stage dancing with tambourines. It was awesome. My wife was so moved. She and her and Barb went and got a tambourine themselves and were playing. It was, it was really, really amazing. We had an incredible time. Thank you so much for those. ...who were able to go down on Sunday night and bless their church. And they were such a blessing to us. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, there's an inner city church. It's a Hispanic church. that and the, the pastor came and spoke here last week. And then I got to go speak Sunday evening down at their church. And it was an incredible, incredible experience. Well, welcome to the Calling Community Church. We're excited that you're here. I'm Pastor Brady Testorff. And blessed to be a chance to be a part of what's going on here in this community... Well, happy birthday, America, yesterday. That was, it was exciting. Anybody, nobody got hurt. Anybody set anything on fire other than, like, lighting stuff on fire to make it blow up? No, no major damage. That's good. I wanted to read just, a, just something to you and see if this sounds familiar to you. Can you tell me what, where this comes from? We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world, Include peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. I like that, just kind of like in anything else we want to do, my goodness, because we are free. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now, where does that come from? Declaration and independence the very last, last paragraph or statement that it says, and I love that because to me, it, this very end where it says, we, and I think we as a church, mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And we are here to support and encourage one another. So I thought that was appropriate for what we celebrated yesterday. Remember that, uh, that these attendance books that we send through the aisles, are really, really important to us and we encourage you to, to fill those. Hopefully those will, will get to you. But I want you to do something additional today, something additional today that uh, will require a little bit of work on your part. At the end of each, well, every other aisle, you'll see some cards and pens. Now, here's the good news. These are the official calling Community Church pens and you can keep those if you want to and then give those away. It's a little shameless form of advertising out in the community. But I want you to, if you have never filled out an information card, for one, I want you to fill that out, okay? I'm not going to come and police you and track you down if you don't do it, but I want to encourage you to do that today, and when you're done, when you're leaving today, just place it in the offering basket, because we have a a database for our church, and it's really important. Like, if I say, man, I just really feel like I want to send a card to uh, Phil Dorman, and I get on there, and I look up Phil Dorman's name, and all I have is his name, and I don't have his address, it makes it really difficult for me to, um, to go ahead and do that quickly. And so we want to make sure we have, and, and fill it out completely too, and we'll fill it in to the database and make sure all that information is correct. And I want you to, everybody have a card, get a card if you can, because I want to have you do something with that at the end of the service, okay? So everyone gets to participate Today. So it's important that you get one of those cards and a pen, alright? So they're on the, the aisles, and so just grab, pass them down if you're on an aisle. Make sure everyone has access to that so everyone can play along. Okay, so for the next few weeks, we are going to jump in to the book of Ephesians, which is similar to the book of Colossians because it was written by the same author, the guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul written from prison probably around the same time that he wrote the book of Colossians. Now, if you were here for the teaching on Colossians, we we discovered that part of the reason why Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians was to try to to steer them clear of some false teaching that was going on in the church. Now, the, the book of Ephesians is not exactly like that. Instead, it was to help the church more fully understand God's eternal purposes, and to appreciate all that God has for the church. And then actually in Ephesians it says immeasurably immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine is what he has prepared for us and for the church. For instance, you'll find scripture where it says that we are saved by his grace by putting our faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's not only for our personal benefit, which it does benefit us, but it's also for the fact of bringing glory to God. You'll find out that it's it's not only, salvation is not only for this life after we die, but salvation is life for us right now, that it's life full, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's full life that he speaks of. And I love the fact that in the end, you know, in the end, we all win. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we win because death, it says, is swallowed up in victory. Because of the resurrection of Jesus. But we can't just sit around, and we should not just sit around and wait for that day to come. We need to stand firm for what is right, what is true, and we need to fight. Here's the deal. We're gonna get all that is ours in death. But I wanna ask you a question this morning. Do you want all that God has for you in this life? I mean, do you want all that he has for you in this life? If the answer is no, then you really don't have to try very hard at all to make that happen. You can basically just stop trying, and just kind of get by. If you don't want all that he has for you, but if you want everything that he has for you, then it's going to require us to stand, stand firm, stand strong. Because there is a fight, there is a battle. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. So here's how it's going to work. For, for the next few weeks, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you, like this week, I want you to, to read Ephesians chapter 1, just read it throughout the week, every day, a couple times a day if you want to. Listen to it on your Bible app. Listen to it as you're driving down the road, as you're coming and going. Just l- let God's Word speak to you, because there's a lot of truth in all these chapters. But we'll start out with chapter 1. And then... In correspondence with that, each week we're going to talk about the six different pieces of armor that God says we need to put on in order to stand firm and fight this good fight. And the first piece of armor will be the, uh, the belt of truth, and we'll get to that in just a moment. So I want you to turn to someone close to you, look at them, and, tell, and say this to them. There is a conflict. Look at them. Look at your daughters, your daughter, your sister. There is a conflict. Someone look at Trish. Hey, Trish. There's a conflict. Yeah, my wife's pointing at me and she says, and you're the problem right there, pal. Then I want you to look at them and say, there is an enemy, but you aren't him. Though sometimes you frustrate me just a little bit. (laughs) That's for the wives, for the husbands. That was good. The, The battle is real and it is not against flesh and blood, which we'll discover here in just a moment. It's a spiritual fight. Therefore, we don't have any tangible weapons that we can effectively I- employ them against the devil and his minions. Now, when you hear minions, young people don't think it's little tic-tac-shaped characters wearing overalls, all right, with big eyes. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? Those are minions, but a different kind. We're not given a specific list of tactics that the enemy will use, Satan will use against us, but we know from Scripture Here's, a, here's something that is true about the enemy. He's a liar, all right? That's the truth. John 8, 44 says that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so we know our enemy is not going to be honest with us. He's not going to tell us the truth. He's really good at deceiving. He's been practicing it for years, and he knows exactly how to get us. So that's the reason why we have to learn stand and fight. However, it says we have an armor that we can put on that will help us be able to stand, and then we'll, we will have victory regardless of whatever Satan's strategy is. So how do you tell a counterfeit? Like if you were wanting to tell what a counterfeit bill looks like, a dollar bill or any kind of a bill, how do you be, how, what's the best way to be able to determine what a counterfeit looks like? What? Hold it up to the light, all right? That's right, hold it up to the light. And that's good, that's a good transition into, instead I would encourage you to really study and figure out what the real, real bill looks like. So if you spend enough time really studying the truth of what the real one looks like, when a counterfeit comes along, you're like, no, this is not real because I know what the truth looks like. So we need to study what is real, right? And we need to know what is true so that we can determine what is fake. So then Jesus who is the truth, is something we should study. We should get to know Him. And the more we know Him, the more we know when something that comes along that is not real and that is, that is false. So we need to study the truth. So the opposite could be said of Jesus. He was a giver of life from the beginning, never wavering from the truth, for there is no deceit in Him. When He speaks, He speaks the truth. He speaks His native language for he is truthful and the father of truth so the first element we're going to look at is the armor uh, of armor is going to be the belt of truth so let's read let's read Ephesians 6 real quick starting at verse 10 all right so we're going to spend a lot of time there but then remember your homework is is to study through Ephesians chapter 1 okay now I'm giving you an opportunity kind of a hint of how do you want to know what the truth is is get in it get in the truth spend some time in it All right, and I want you, you you have, all of you have permission to hold me accountable this week, well, any day, really, you can hold me accountable, but I want you to challenge me via Facebook text message, you see me, see me at Starbucks or in the the hot tub at the Y, because that's the only two places I really hang out. Um, When you see me there, I want you to say, Brady, have you read Ephesians 1 today? Just checking out. You better make sure that you've already accomplished that task before you, you come and challenge me, all right? So let's just challenge one another. i give you freedom. Now, I want to see if anybody will do that this week. Okay, we'll see. It'll be interesting. All right, so here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... Now listen, that's not a, like a future thing. It's talking about currently. It's happening. It says, You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so the first piece we're going to look at is the belt of truth. It's sort of like an apron. Now, I did did my best attempt at creating and making a belt of truth. And so it's on this cross. I'll stick it up here for just a minute. All right. And so this, this apron or this belt would, would, would be securely fastened around your waist to hold your tunic together. In your, when you go out to battle, it would hold your clo- clothes on, it would hold your pants up. And so can you imagine how unproductive we could possibly be in battle if we're trying to hold our sword with one hand, try to keep our pants up with the other. And so literally, they would talk about that the enemy would try to take the belt or cut the belt off of the soldier For one, if you hadn't pulled your sword out yet, that's probably where your sword was. It was held there as you would go into battle. But this belt would allow you to move freely on the battlefield and not not hold you back and able to really fight effectively. And now obviously the pieces that are going down do have a purpose uh, for a man that's a pretty vulnerable area of of this, this person. And so it would protect him in some way from that happening, which I think you could go into a whole... Teaching about purity and about just being righteous, doing the right thing as a man, and keeping the belt of truth fastened around our waist. But we don't have time for that today. Maybe they'll talk about that at that men's conference, which, by the way, I'd love for you to go to that with me. That'd be fun. So, that's the belt of truth. So, from the very beginning of time, Satan was able to deceive man and kind of render him powerless. Because of a lie. If you look at the very beginning, he lied to Adam and Eve. Did God really say? I mean, did he really say you would die if you ate that? I mean, just enough question in Eve's mind. Like, well, I mean, I don't know. Did he really say that? I mean, it's kind of a trick question. And so he uses a lie to distort the truth. And that caused a problem for all mankind in that particular moment. And you realize that the enemy is still doing that today. It's not like he just did it one time and so, said, well, I just, I just brought a curse upon mankind. That's awesome. I'm, I'm done with my, my job here. No, he continues to do the same thing to us today. So we need to have a core belief, some truth in the center of who we are to give us a place to stand firm on. You think about it in your physical body, you talk about all, you talk about all the time when exercising and working out like how what about your core how strong is your core are you doing some core workout you know you you lead workout you know exactly what i'm talking about the core is the center and it's our foundation for everything that we believe when it comes to a spiritual thing so like view it like this like the core like our truth is our plumb line it is the thing that that we build our life upon and it must be true so that we can build from that in order to create this life that god has for us and I want you to think about this, because here's the reason why it's so important, because what you believe about God affects every area of your life. So wrap your, mind around, wrap your mind around this truth. What you believe about God affects every area of your life. I know a, a gentleman who says, I cannot wrap my mind around the fact that God is love, because I, the God I experienced when I was a kid was a God who was a tyrant, and he was, he had his thumb on me all the time. I felt like I could do nothing to please him, and I was always failing. Now, some of that had to do with because that was a reflection of his father, his earthly father, which, by the way, dads, how your f- children see you so many times is the way they see God. So let that truth sink deep. So, so we, we have a trouble with maybe receiving love or even knowing how to give love. When it comes to how we see God, it has a dramatic effect on our sexuality. I mean, it just, it just does. There's no way around it. It has, a, it has an effect on how we spend our money and what we value, what we put as a priority, the things that we have on our budget. It has, a, it has a, just a dramatic effect on that. How we see God, uh, it, it affects the way we see each other. The way we see someone whose skin color is a little bit different than ours, whose nationality is different than ours. Which, by the way... I didn't, was able to get this at the beginning, but yesterday was Yesenia and her brother Paul's ninth anniversary in America. They came, yeah, amen, amen. And uh, she loves it when I point her out, because she's just keeping her head down, like, please don't look at me. But, and here's another blessing, in a month from now, I will be a grandpa, and Trish will be... Uh, a mammal or a meme or a <laughs> grandma or whatever you want to call her. So life is going to be different <laughs> in about a month from now for, in a lot of different ways. But the way we see God and the way, we, the way we believe about him affects the way I see you. And if I somehow could rational, rationalize in my mind that God hates you for whatever reason, then it gives me freedom to hate you too. You see see, that, that's just not God at all when we get to study, when we know the truth of who he is and his character, which how do we know what God's character is? Where do we get that picture? Who do we see it in? Christ. We see it in Jesus, right? He's a visible image of the invisible God, so we see it in the way he treats others, in the way that he interacts with people, and I want to share a story with you in just a little bit from scripture about the way Jesus interacts with people, and, and you just see it's a constant. It's just a a consistent reminder of who Jesus is. It's pretty powerful. I want to show you a video clip that comes from the movie Passion of the Christ that has to do with the truth. So let's let's take a look at this. The truth is out there. It's here. It's closer than you can imagine. The question is, is, will we hear it when it's spoken? I was reminded just a few days ago of a uh, of the saying, "What is better, a truth that brings a tear, or a lie that draws a smile?" Now you say, Brady, um, when my, my when my wife asks me how I look in that outfit, I'm really struggling with that particular issue right there, <laughs> because I'm afraid if I tell the truth, it might bring a tear. And so should I tell her the truth or should I just say what will make her smile? That's just, a, that's just a simple example, but I think it's a little bit deeper than that. What is better? Truth that brings a tear, a lie that draws a smile. So let me ask you this question. What is absolute truth? So you're going to need to, to, to speak up a little bit, but I want to hear what, what is, and I've got a list here, but I want to hear from you. What is, what is absolute truth? The Bible, all right? Some would say, well, that's subjective because of what's true for you is not true for me. Now, we would, believe, putting on the belt of truth, we would believe God's Word is true, okay? And we believe that it's true for all people, all places, all time. So I'll go with that answer. I, I think it's true. What else? Gravity yeah that's right like if I say you know what I really don't believe in gravity like you believe in gravity I mean like I'm good gl- I'm good for you I'm happy that makes you feel good you feel secure in your gravity or whatever but I am personally okay with just thinking it's not real and then you would say well okay prove it Brady and then I would turn and then I would fall straight back and then Justin would have to save my life because I would probably almost die because it's true for all people, all places, all time, right? Which is, that, that is, what is the definition of absolute truth? All right, one more. Verifiable and cannot be reduced. Something that is verifiable, you can prove it, and cannot be diminished or reduced. How about, we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Can any of us, with a stone in our hand, say, I have not sinned, therefore I have a right to throw this at you? We would all have to put our stones down and walk away, right? Because we know that is an absolute truth for all people, all places, all time. Uh, How about this? We're all going to die. Not right now. Don't freak out. Some of the little kids, if you've got little kids sitting next to you, please explain. He doesn't mean now. Someday, when you're really old. <laughs> Unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, we're all gonna die. How about this? We all have free will. Right? You exercised it today by getting in your vehicle and driving here. You can't force someone to love you or love somebody else. Is that true? Absolute truth, right? can't force somebody to love you. The wages of sin is death. Whether you believe that God exists or not, The truth is, is when you do something that brings dishonor to even the God that you don't think exists, you suffer for it. So subjective truth could be something maybe like, um, it's hot in here. Or no, I think it's cold in here. It just depends on how you're dressed and who you are and how your body makeup is. The Royals are the best team in baseball. We got some amens. We got some, eh, I don't know. Not in the last few games. <laughs> I guess they didn't win a couple nights ago. They have a good record, you know, which is true. Chick-fil-A is the best chicken sandwich in the world. <laughs> Subjective. It is pretty good. I heard the Zoo Pans ate at Chick-fil-A yesterday. I have a spy there. She always tells me who eats there. Last week, oh, I need my phone back to be Would you give it back to me? Figure out how to get it off that selfie stick thing. Last week, you can just give it to me like this. My eyesight, I'm like, that's really what this is for. I just can't see very close anymore. I have to pull it away like that. I think it goes like that. There we go. Here we go. You are gonna have the stick back. I'll just put it here. That's Emma's. We don't want to lose that thing, get in trouble. Last week, someone came to church, and one of the reasons why they came to church, and I I expected this, and it's it's not a surprise to me, one of the reasons why they came is because they wanted to know if I was going to make a statement from the pulpit about same-sex marriage. And And I'll just share some truth with you. Our bylaws for this church state that marriage is to be between a man and a woman, Forever. That's what our bylaws state. Okay? As a pastor, I will not do a wedding for a same-sex couple. I just believe that in the beginning, how God ordained it to be was how it's supposed to be. Now I know it's a sensitive subject for people, and I will post on Facebook a link on the, our Calling Community Church Facebook page a link to a document that is as close to my heart as I could possibly get that says it in a very intelligent way it's called five things that jesus would say to the gay community and i believe it's scripture and i believe it's true that's what i would say i would stand on but here's the last pers- uh, part of this statement and here's but here's here's what i want you to hear this is not for a particular group of people that I'll pull out of the crowd and bring over here and sit and say, this is just for you. This is for all of us, okay? This is absolute truth for all of us, no matter where you are right now in your life, this is for you. So I want you to hear this. There is no permanent joy outside of Jesus. Jesus wants what is best for you, and he wants you to experience a full life. Jesus is not concerned with with winning an argument or forcing you to do something you don't want to do, Jesus wants you to know that your relationship with him is better than anything else out there. Now listen, church, that deserves an amen. Do you believe that a relationship with Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer? If you have not nailed that down in your heart, if that's not a part of, what, of your core truth, then life is not going to have meaning and purpose in the way that God intends it to have for you. Now, it might be good, but it won't be the best. And until you reach that point, listen to this, Jesus will be here patiently drawing you to himself. And that, I believe, is true for all people in all places in all time. God must be really serious about this whole truth issue. I mean, after all, it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? In Proverbs 6, it says a lying tongue is one of the things that is detestable to God. In Proverbs 23, it says that you should buy the truth, purchase it, like go out and get it, invest in it, put everything you have into truth and do not sell it. It's not something you can buy and wait till a better thing comes along and sell it for a profit. It says it's the most valuable thing that you can own wisdom instruction and insight as well go along with this truth the truth is the whole story if you look it up in the dictionary the truth is the whole story and so let me just challenge you a little bit and this and i've wrestled with this i've struggled with this in my life sometimes i like to leave out certain details to protect the innocent which i think is me but yet that makes me guilty because i just lied Over and over again, I've heard Brady, man, people love the church. They love the protection and the direction they get from the church, but they do not like the correction because when the truth comes, sometimes it hurts a little bit, and we don't want to hear it, which is the reason why, let's just be real, some people don't want to come and sit here because they don't want to hear the truth. Or they'll just make up their own version and say, I'll live in my own truth. Well, that's fine, but it's not absolute. The other morning, it's a funny little story. The other morning, we were at Burger King, and uh, we go in and we go to Burger King. If, if you're a guy, or a guy, anybody can come to this Bible study, but it tends to be men. Um, we come, I guess it's called King's Men. It maybe you should call it King's People, you know? Whatever. So come, we have Burger King, and we get there and we have oatmeal in the morning because we're old and that's all my body can handle at that time in the morning. So we have oatmeal, and they have these little fruit packages, little package with dried fruit in it. Another, the other morning, it was devastating because they're we like, Brady, I'm sorry. We're out of fruit packages. I was like, what? How is that possible? How could that be true? Well, you know, here's the whole story. And so he unpacks the story for him. He says, we don't order a case of it because not enough people eat it and then it goes bad. And so we have to borrow some from another store and then the other manager's dad died and he was gone and I was stuck here on my own and I didn't have time to go get it and all of a sudden I start feeling pretty lousy about my desire for these little fruit packages like do I really need that fruit pa- his dad died after all so when I get the whole story when I get the truth I'm like ah oh, that makes sense no problem we'll just wait so then he comes back later and says the fruit's on the way we ordered a case of it and when it when it starts to go bad I'm giving you all of it and you figure out what to do with it Good. So don't be surprised if you come in the church one day and we give you a small package of fruit, along with your information card. But you, when I heard the whole story, I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Does that make sense? When you hear the whole story, that's the truth. When you get all the details, all of the witnesses. Jesus, Jesus, in John chapter eight, it's beautiful. Jesus said, oh, "Yeah, you, you know, you you don't want to believe in me, but I'll tell you that I am not. I'm just not saying this myself. I have a witness. The father is the witness." And I have someone who can verify my story and verify that it's true. The truth sets you free. That's also in John chapter 8, verse 32. And, and by the way, when you think about that, truth sets you free. Honesty is the key to recovery. In any area of your life, honesty or truth is the key to healing. Now, same, same fruit, fruit story. This guy that was there with us on uh, Tuesday morning, he eats fruit too. And he really loves it. And he was really disappointed. But while we were there, he, conf- he confessed something. What is that? Oh, somebody's trying to call me on instant messenger. Are you serious? That's crazy. I didn't even know that was possible. Wow, somebody teach me how to work this thing. Anyway, so... So confession brings healing. James chapter 5, when we confess our sins one to another, it says, then you'll be healed. So there's something powerful about the truth being known, right? Something powerful about this. So, so Randy, my friend, says, guys, I have, I have a confession. I, there's something i got to share with you. I and mean, that's when I really love this time on on Tuesday morning. Studying the Bible and joking, all that stuff is great, but when someone is willing to be vulnerable enough to say the truth and the whole story about what really is going on in his life, he said, I've been having this pain in my sciatic nerve and it's been hurting me for so long and it's caused me to be um, irritable and angry and short and frustrated and and I've treated my wife harshly. Now, you know, he got convicted of that because in Colossians where it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them, the word of God Pierced his heart and he said, I've been harsh with my wife. I need to ask for forgiveness. Would you pray for me? So we gathered around right there at Burger King. We prayed over him. I prayed for physical healing for his body too, so that problem would go away. He immediately text messaged his wife afterwards He said, Honey, I'm really sorry for being short with you. Would you please forgive me? She says, Yes, dear, absolutely. And he walked out of there feeling a lot better on the inside. Later on that day, he text messaged me and said, Brady, my pain, it was like 10% is what it's been all week long. It's like I feel like God has really touched my body. He's starting to heal me. Can I get an amen? That's right. Now listen, last week you guys clapped for Pastor Leonardo. Cheered for him. A little insecure about that. I don't know, maybe. I'm just, being, I'm just telling you the truth, Okay. Just sharing, sharing some truth. We went to their church, man. It was alive. It was powerful and passionate. I said, I would invite you to come back to our church, but you would just be bored, all right? So just stay there. No, hopefully they'll get a chance to come here. and be cool. All right, we've got to finish up. I was reading this devotional, this guy named Tulian Chivijian, which is a really weird name. And he was describing this, this, the Christian life, um, comparing like the climbing of the mountain as, a port, as, a, as opposed to exploring a cave okay a lot of times we like to talk about like well i want to be on the mountain i want to have a mountaintop experience i want to climb to the heights and just experience god but he says you know what i think the way to truly experience god is to dig down deep into places of truth and listen what he says true growth as a christian involves recognizing that there is always another cavern to explore There's always another crevice of self-centeredness or a stalactite, if you know what those are, of jealousy. The light of Jesus shines into deeper and darker corners and this is what it says when it gets into those deepest, darkest places. It says, yes, I can redeem that too. Yes, I can handle that. I can take that. I can heal that. I can touch that. I I, I can do it. I'm, I'm able to do that. So quickly, the story in John chapter 8 at the very beginning, a woman gets the truth of her life exposed and she's caught in the act of adultery and she's pulled into the city center in front of all the elders and they not only do they catch her in the act of it, they tell everybody this is her sin. Anybody volunteer for that this morning? stand before the crowd, this is my sin. I promise you if you do it, it'll hurt. But you might walk out of here more free than you've ever felt in your entire life. She didn't have a choice. And in their culture, they said, Jesus, the law says we must stone her. She deserves Die. Now is that the same Jesus that is waiting patiently? No, that's not the way they proclaim him. They want to see if they can trip Jesus up, to see if he'll be if he'll go against the truth of who he, his character, who he really is. And Jesus starts to write in the sand, and historians who knows what Jesus is writing? Maybe he's writing their name. Maybe he's writing her name. Maybe he's writing with a big heart, Jesus loves you. And by the way, I'm Jesus. I love you. Who knows what he's writing in the sand? But whatever it was, Jesus then tells them, hey, whoever of you who has not sinned, somehow you've avoided that. Way to go. I'm proud of you because I'm really the only one that's ever accomplished that. But now there's two of us. Why don't you go ahead and throw the first stone? And if you know the story, what happens? From the oldest to the youngest, from the wisest that knows better and has more sin to deal with, they drop the stone and they walk away. And so then Jesus says, hey, look around you. Is there anyone here that condemns you? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, as Christians, here's some truth. We don't have the right to condemn anybody. It's not our job. But we have a commandment to love them. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. But it doesn't stop there. Listen, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you some truth here. I want you to leave, but I want you to leave your life of sin. I'm not winking at it. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying, hey, honey, how's it going for you? How's it working out for you? Is this a good life for you? Keep doing it. He's saying, I want you to leave your life of sin because you know why? Because Jesus says, I have something better for you. As the band comes up, I want to encourage you with the little passage of Scripture that comes from your your reading challenge this week, from Ephesians chapter 1. Here's some truth that you can find here. Listen to this. God predestined us for adoption. Do you believe that God predestined Yesenia and Paul to be in this place, to sit where she's sitting today? He predestined. He knew it was going to happen. God predestined us for adoption, not to an earthly family, but to sonship through Jesus Christ, to be a part of His family, to belong to God in accordance with His pleasure and His will, to the praise of the glorious grace which He has freely given us and the one that He loves. And in Jesus, listen to this truth, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He has lavished on us with all wisdom, and with all understanding. Here's some truth to finish with. This day, God chooses to adopt you. He picks you out of the crowd and says, I want you to be mine. He wants to redeem every area of your life the deepest darkest places where you've allowed nobody else to go he wants that truth to expose those things so that you can be embarrassed or shamed no so that you could be healed i want to challenge you today on that card that i wanted you to have in your hand and the card that you're going to Place in the offering basket, including with all your information if you've never filled one out. What is an area of your life right now that you need Jesus to touch? Now, you can be anonymous if you want, if you feel that's where you have to go with that. Or you can just be bold and real and say, this is it right here. This is where it hurts. Jesus loves you. He's writing that in the sand. He does not condemn you. He wants you to have life to the fullest. And that is the truth. Let's worship. So here's a quick, quick application. Write it down on the back of that card. Before you even leave this morning, Trish, come here. I'm going to have my wife come up here. And if you're a, a woman and you need someone to pray with you, maybe you want to just say, I, I need to confess this right now before I even walk out. Because sometimes we'll walk out and the enemy will be like, ah, you don't need to tell anybody. That. Just stuff that away. No. Come and pray. Uh, I'll be up here to pray with a guy if a guy needs to pray. Or just write it on the back of your card, place it in the offering basket, and we'll, we'll make sure that we hold them confidential, but you'll be prayed for. Um, and so... Uh, And then the next step would be to go talk to somebody else. Confess it one to another. It's powerful when you say it to somebody else. It just makes it more real and experience the healing that comes. So let me bless the offering, and then we'll go. Thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity. Thank you for the truth that we can put around our waist so that we can stand firm, we stand strong for you. Lord, reveal places in our life that need to be touched, need to be healed. And let us trust the fact that we know that you can do it. You can touch there. You want to. You're waiting for us. Bless the offering that it may be uh, used to, to uh, encourage people in this community, to bless those that are hurting, and to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to see you next week.